Welcome to the Arthroscopy Association's Arthroscopy Journal podcast. The views expressed in this podcast do not necessarily represent the views of the Arthroscopy Association or the Arthroscopy Journal. I'm Dr. Chris Tucker from the Walter Reed National Military Medical Center and founder of the podcast. I'd like to introduce Dr. Guillaume Dumont from the University of South Carolina School of Medicine. Dr. Dumont serves as an associate professor in the Department of Orthopedic Surgery. Dr. Dumont was the lead author on a paper titled Acetabular Subchondral and Cortical Perforation During Label Repair with Suture Anchors, Influence of Portal Location, Curved versus Straight Drill Guides, and Drill Starting Point, which was published in the August 2019 issue of the Arthroscopy Journal. His co-authors include Dr. Adam Money and Mr. Zachary Thier. Welcome, Guillaume, and thank you for joining me. Thanks, Chris, for having me. I've enjoyed listening to these podcasts, uh, reading the journal articles. I often wish I had a little bit more of a, the author perspective. So this really gives us a little bit of a uh, behind-the-scene look, if you will. Well, glad to hear. Guillaume, this was an enjoyable study to read, and I would consider it to be a very practical study for surgeons who do hip arthroscopy. Can you fill us in on where the idea for the study came from? Absolutely. So hip arthroscopy and treating femoroastabular impingement is a great interest of mine. And uh, as has been discussed and published on in the past, the learning curve for hip arthroscopy is fairly steep for a number of reasons. And the hip joint is a deep and uh, fairly constrained compared to other joints we commonly treat with arthroscopy. And so that leads to various challenges during surgery. One of the most uh, cited complications for hip arthroscopy is iatrogenic damage to the joint. That can happen at various stages of the procedure. Uh, initial access to the joint is one of those higher risk stages. And placement of suture anchors, which is what we looked at, uh, is another uh, spot where people can get into trouble. With the utilization of hip arthroscopy growing really rapidly over the last decade or two, uh, identifying ways to reduce cartilage injuries during that procedure and to educate others about what we found was really the main goal of the study. One of our primary goals uh, as physicians is really to do, first do no harm. And we felt that this study could uh, help arthroscopists get closer to that goal. The purpose of the study was to evaluate the impact of three variables. Number one, the portal used for drilling. Number two, the position of the drill guide with respect to the acetabular rim. And number three, the use of a straight versus a curved drill guide. And examine the impact of those three variables on the risk of drill perforation of both the acetabular subchondral bone and the outer cortex of the acetabulum. Can you tell us how you guys went about doing this? Sure. Uh, we use a sawbone model to test these three variables. We used 60 sawbone pelvis models and marked out the 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock, 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock, and 3 o'clock positions, uh, given that most label tears related to FAI occur in this zone. Uh, we had 12 different combinations of the three variables, five specimens in each combination for a total of 300 drillings on 60 hips. Uh, we designed a clay model uh, of a hip and proximal thigh through which we created three commonly used portals, the anterolateral portal, the anterior portal, and the distal anterolateral or DALA portal. For each sawbone specimen, we drilled each of the five locations of the acetabulum and noted whether there was a breach of the subchondral bone uh, or the far cortex of the acetabulum. A common question I get about this study is why sawbones and why not cadaveric specimens? That's a very reasonable thing to ask, and there's a few reasons uh, why we chose sawbones. First is that every single sawbone specimen is the same. So we took that variable out of the equation to better isolate the three variables that you mentioned, namely the portal utilized, uh, curved or straight drill guide, and the distance uh, from the, of the starting point from the acetabular rim. Uh, second was really cost. So in an attempt to be good stewards of our resources, we felt that for the price of one cadaveric specimen, we could conduct our entire project without substantially reducing the quality of the study. Great. So for those listeners who are either new to hip arthroscopy or unfamiliar with the techniques involved, can you briefly review for us the anatomy involved in defining the landmarks for hip labral repair, anchor placement, 
as well as the locations of these three portals that were evaluated in the study? Definitely. So generally speaking, most tears happen in the anterior superior quadrant of the acetabulum. The middle of the transverse acetabular ligament is defined as a cyclic position, and that's inferior. Uh, that's a difficult to spot to pinpoint arthroscopically, so other landmarks can help serve as a reference. The psoas U can be seen arthroscopically, and that's the three o'clock position anteriorly. The initial portal most surgeons place in hip arthroscopy is the anterolateral portal. It typically enters the skin at the convergence of the superior and anterior borders of the greater trochanter. The traditional anterior portal enters the skin just distal and lateral to the lines drawn horizontally from the tip of the greater trochanter and distally from the anterior superior iliac spine. And finally, the distal anterolateral accessory portal or DALA portal is used usually in line or just slightly anterior to the anterolateral portal and approximately four or five centimeters distal. Yeah, that was a great review. Uh, okay, so Guillaume, can you tell us what your key findings were? Overall, so we performed 300 drillings. There were 12.7% uh, of the drillings that, that we saw subchondral perforations and 15% that had outer cortex perforations. Looking at the subchondral perforations, these were most commonly uh, seen using the anteroportal at 21% and 17% using the anterolateral portal. A key finding, though, was that, that using the distal anterolateral accessory portal, we saw no subchondral perforations. So this was by far the safest portal to use. Even though uh, far cortex perforations were seen at 15% of drillings overall, they mostly occurred when we were drilling from the anterior portal directed superiorly at the 11 and 12 o'clock position. We also found that using uh, starting point two millimeters removed from the acetabular rim had a 6% chance of breaching versus a 19% chance when we started uh, our drill directly on the rim. The use of curved drill guides resulted in a, lo a lower number of breaches, but this didn't reach the visible significance. So were any of these findings surprising to you? We were a bit surprised not to see the curved drill guide have a more substantial effect. Uh, it did decrease the number of perforations, just as, not as much as what we'd expected. Otherwise, we felt uh, the distal anterolateral accessory portal would do a great job because that's the one that served us so well in live surgery. Also, the overall rates of perf perforations we just mentioned were pretty high. Uh, we would never tolerate perforating the subchondral bone 13% of the time in live surgery. Part of those high rates is due to the fact that the study included some pretty oddball combinations of variables uh, that we wouldn't typically use uh, or recommend, such as drilling posterior superiorly using an anterior portal. Uh, so overall, the perforation rates are likely a little bit inflated by that. Sure. So we did touch on this just to uh, reiterate the point. To discuss the uh, straight versus curved drill guides, there was a difference in the rates reported, uh, although it wasn't statistically significant with a p-value of 0.059. The rates were 16% and 9% respectively for the straight and the curved guides, which trends towards significance. What are your thoughts on this and what's your current personal preference and practice habit? So I think the curved guide conceptually makes sense to, to direct the drill bit away from the acetabular conjugal surface. Uh, in our study, it just didn't make as much of a difference as the portal utilized or the distance from the rim. Practically, though, increasing the starting point uh, distance from the acetabular rim is not really an ideal solution because it can evert the labor, pulling it away from, from its natural position or anatomic position. So really, in those cases, the curved drill guide may be uh, the next best option to, to improve uh, our safety. Uh, the distal anterolateral portal, though, really is my biggest tool uh, to, to, keep, to keep the drilling safe. As a follow-on, 
the curve guides used in your study were 13 degrees. There's some other studies looking at anchor insertion, such as the one by Dr. No et al., who've used 25 degree guides. What was the rationale for testing the guides that you chose? We wanted to run the study using many of the tools that we currently use in live survey to make it most applicable to my practice and to, to really identify things that we could potentially change uh, on a day-to-day -day basis. Uh, the anchor I use has been really reliable for us and uh, had an available 13-degree curve guide, so we went with that one. Uh, certainly, there are different curves for different anchors. Uh, a higher curved angle uh, may have pushed this variable to statistical significance. Also important on a curve guide is the position of the curve. A tight distal curve is much more effective on the drill angle, but that can be challenging to engineer because the drill and the anchor both have to be able to make that tight turn at the end of the uh, drill guide. Sure. I think this is just another one of the examples of how your study, for me in particular, was a fairly practical study to, to read and then potentially put into practice. So uh, to continue, as you reviewed in your paper, previous publications on this topic have looked at factors related to the risk of chondral perforation and included variables similar to yours, as well as additional things like the presence of an acetabuloplasty, its effect on the concept of the acetabular rim angle, uh, drill lengths, drill angles. Do you feel like your results are in agreement with these previous studies on the topic? Yeah, our results agree with what prior studies have shown. I think that one of the things we were able to do was to simplify the question into variables that are easy to understand and make clinical changes to. Uh, I think conceptually, the acetabular rim angle makes sense, but our hope was to take measurements and angles out of this and really answer, you know, which portal is better. Uh, the dollop portal being safest makes sense with the concept of the acetabular rim angle because it's a flatter angle of attack. Uh, the idea of the acetabuloplasty reducing the chance of subconjunctal perforation, uh, perforation ties into the distance of the starting point from the rim. Effectively, if an acetabuloplasty is performed and it resects two millimeters of the rim, the new start point on the new rim is two millimeters off the original rim. Let's say that five times in a row. The uh, drill depth we didn't really look at. But that said, uh, shorter seems to be safer. Most manufacturers know this, and they're designing things smaller and smaller while try to, trying to preserve strength. Sure, interesting point uh, about the, the acetabuloplasty uh, rim distance change. To segue into my next question, to lead in, an interesting paper you cited was by Hernandez and McGrath, which measures the distance from the acetabular rim to the capsular attachment and found it to be on average between 2.3 and 2.6 millimeters, which is close to your recommendation of the two millimeter off rim location for the drill guide. Intuitively further obviously seems to be safer, but there's always the potential for too much of a good thing. The key seems to be balancing safety with an anatomic repair. Excessive distance can obviously lead to eversion of the labrum like you mentioned. Do you stand by that two millimeter recommendation as this new sweet spot for that location? And in practice, do you make any adjustments based on any certain intra-op variables? So really the two millimeter uh, versus directly on the rim position for us was less of a, less of a recommendation and more of an expected finding. Uh, we actually position our drill guide uh, in live surgery as close to the rim as we can, usually about a millimeter away. Uh, so despite our study results, and uh, as we mentioned in the study, a, a starting point two millimeters from the rim can potentially lead to that labral eversion. Uh, that can compromise the labral seal, which is really one of the main functions of the labrum. So selecting a position on the acetabular rim also depends on the morphology of the individual acetabulum. 
In patients with a really high lateral center edge angle or more substantial pincer morphology, the risk of perforation is higher. So using other aids in those cases, like a curved drill guide, can be helpful. As you stated in your paper, one of the limitations of this study is that you didn't account for variations in the soft tissue envelope around the hip, as can be seen with different size patients, which can affect portal placement and suture anchor insertion angles. How do you account for this in real-life surgery? What kinds of adjustments do you make in the operating room with respect to portal placement as it pertains to your suture anchor insertion? Uh, so, yeah, real life uh, can definitely offer more challenges than sawbones. Uh, in larger patients, the soft tissue between the hip joint and the skin can really substantially tether the instruments and hip arthroscopy, and that includes the drill guides for label repairs. Uh, that can make it more difficult for the surgeon to position his or her hand in a way that really diverges away from the acetabular rim. I typically still use the same portals in these cases, but this is an area where I feel like the, curl, the curve guides uh, can give us an added layer of protection. In those patients, the uh, anterior portal is sometimes necessary for drilling the most anterior and anteromedial anchors because the dolla just won't reach. Uh, so really taking your time with these difficult cases is, is important. Sure. So one of the things I've liked doing lately in the podcast is asking the authors about their comments on the editorial commentary for their articles. So I'm going to do the same for you. There was uh, an editorial commentary written by Drs. Ranawat and Ward and Ms. Swartwoot. They agree with your findings of the dollar portal being the safest portal for anchor placements between the 11 and 2 o'clock positions, but they disagreed with respect to medial anchor placement down low between 2 and 4 o'clock. And in contrast to your study, they believe the mid-anterior portal is safer. Your study didn't evaluate the mid-anterior portal, but I'd like to hear your thoughts on their commentary. Yeah, the editorial commentary notes that the traditional anterior portal, which we use, is more proximal than the mid-anterior portal, which is absolutely correct. Uh, in fact, I sometimes do utilize the anterior portal to insert uh, anchors in the 2 or 3 o'clock position because it provides good access to that area. Uh, an advantage with the mid-anterior portal, though, is that it can afford a little bit of the best of both worlds. It gives you an anterior uh, working portal, uh, but because it's more distal, it has better overall safety profile in terms of avoiding drilling to the acetabular subconsole bone and cartilage. Great. So to close, could you share with our listeners one or two take-home points with respect to safe insertion of label repair anchors in hip arthroscopy that they can incorporate into their own clinical practices? Sure thing. The key for us from our clinical experience and also uh, which was reinforced with this study was that a distal-based portal such as the distal anterolateral accessory portal or DALA portal can be extremely helpful in making suture anchor insertions safer. Uh, in all positions of the acetabulum, this was the variable that was uniformly safest. Uh, my second take-home point here would be to have your surgical assistant hold the arthroscope in a position to visualize the acetabular cartilage while you're drilling. If there's any sign of a mole hill forming under the cartilage, stop drilling immediately and adjust your start point. A key to anatomic repair is having the, lay, the anchors uh, close to the acetabular rim, just not too close. Great. Thanks again for sharing your thoughts with us today, Guillaume. Dr. Dumont's article titled Acetabular Subchondral and Cortical Perforation During Label Repair with Suture Anchors, Influence of Portal Location, Curved versus Straight Drill Guides, and Drill Starting Point, can be found in the August 2019 issue of the Arthroscopy Journal, which is available online at www.arthroscopyjournal.org. Guillaume, thanks again for joining us. Thanks for having me. This concludes this edition of the Arthroscopy Journal podcast. Thank you for listening. Please join us again next time.